When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, March 18th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com. Some FCS college football we'll chat about here to start things off. Then we'll go all NCAA tournament or maybe the NIT as well for the rest of today's show here with Brad over at ATS.io. You can check out the past editions of the radio show. Monday, we talked with Kyle Hunter about all things NCAA tournament, about an hour and a half with that broadcast where we hit all four regions, some good talking points about the first round, about handicapping coaches, about the futures market, all of that really good show there with him. On Tuesday, we worked in some NCAA tournament with Brian Blessing. Then on Wednesday, we talked with Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers about the NCAA tournament. Lots of stuff for you to check out from this week. And you can add today's show to the mix once that gets posted here. But also over at the website, my 2021 MLB betting guide, which you can check out in individual article webpage form. If you follow me on Twitter, at Skating Tripods, my pinned tweet at the top of the profile has a link to the PDF, which you can download from my Google Drive. I did a great podcast, the Roto Wager podcast yesterday with Brian Seymour. That'll probably get posted here today. I got some other radio appearances I've done here of late. I'm going to be on the deep dive next week with Andy and Whale Capper. So lots of baseball stuff coming your way over the next week and a half from me. But in the meantime, you can check out that MLB betting guide over at ATS.io. Got previews of all four regions. NIT preview still relevant since we've only seen two games of that. Preview for this weekend's NASCAR and UFC. Situational betting articles. Tons of stuff over at the website for you to check out. And make sure you download the ATS app as well, which you can use as a bet tracker or as an odd screen. You can buy a premium model subscription in there. Database for handicapping the games. All kinds of good stuff in that ATS app, which is in both the Google Play Store and also the Apple Store. With that, we bring on today's guest that is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, buddy? Man, it's going well. How you doing? Doing well, man. Appreciate your time. As always, you and I had a spirited and uh, entertaining chat before we actually started recording here today. One of these days, I'll just accidentally hit the record button and people will be able to hear what we talk about uh, before we actually do the show. Although I'm sure that might ruffle some feathers out there uh, as well, but Uh, One thing that we wanted to make sure we talked about on today's show, FCS college football is going on, but FBS college football will be here before you know it, about five months and a couple of weeks until the start of the season. But right now we've got a lot of spring stuff going on and you just released a very fine publication over at bradpowersports.com. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, a lot of times I get at the NCAA tournament and deservedly so gets all the attention this week. But uh, I mean, we are approaching spring game season. In fact, a couple of power five teams have spring games this uh, Saturday, actually on TV, believe it or not. So, uh, you know, I think it's always a, a decent time to release some early numbers. And 
I, you know, while it's not my final numbers, it's more of a first draft. I think it's probably the best first draft of power ratings out there in the market. So not only is it my early power ratings, but uh, also, you know, season win total projections, uh, strength of schedule ratings. And I basically, I look, I'm an open book. I, I went through, since the schedules have been finally uh, finalized here, uh, I mean, I gave you an early line pro- uh, projection on every single game for all 130 teams. So I got that in a nice, easy, printable format. It's free. Uh, you can check it out on my Twitter at BradPower7 or go to Brad Power Sports uh, and check out the, the free info. But uh, pretty much, uh, if you want to jump start, if you're not a college basketball guy, and I, I know a lot of you still are college basketball guys, but they're still college football and college football only people. And if you want to get an early jump on the 2021 season, my free spring guide uh, will we'll get you in that. We'll move you in that direction uh, as far as uh, from a, a, a Vegas take, a gambling perspective. This is unbelievable, man. As I'm taking a look through this, as you said, you've got all the team schedules in here, your projected lines, all the win <laughs> total numbers, and the win totals will probably come out here, I would think within a couple of weeks to the end of the NCAA tournament, because yeah. you know we do have the NFL draft and there will be a lot of prop betting and stuff like that with that. But you know, I think we talked about this a lot. The off season markets have really been accelerated over the last few years. So I would think that, you know, we probably wind up getting uh, some of these season win total numbers out there. And as I'm looking through here, uh, both of us Mac guys, I went to Akron, you went to Bowling Green and it uh, looks like it, things will not be, Good again this season for our two alma maters. Akron, you're down <laughs> for 2.83 wins and Bowling Green, 1.62. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, Bowling Green is, you know, Akron got the best of Bowling Green last year and what a 31 to three performance there. And, you know, I, I'm not going to get into it because it's going to sound more like a fan, uh, but it is my alma mater. I did pay money. Uh, to, to go to school there. And, you know, when I went to school there, keep in mind, Urban Meyer was there and then he set it up for the next coach where it was very successful all throughout college. And then after college, I mean, you're hiring guys like, you know, Dave Clawson, who's now the Wake Forest coach and, and Dino Babers, who's now at Syracuse. I mean, it was a good, you know, 15 year run there for BG, but the last five years, probably the worst five years in the history of the program. And this year's not going to be any different. Uh, I do, uh, you, you'll like this, even though Bowling Green hosts that Akron game. I mean, I got, you know, Akron the favorite there. I think Akron right now uh, is in a little bit better shape than Bowling Green. Bowling Green's arguably, you know, with Massachusetts probably, and maybe New Mexico State, uh, the three worst teams in the country. Akron's slightly above that now. Yeah, I'm looking here at your power ratings. And again, this is a full one through 130. And you even have lines for the FBS versus FCS games. In this guide here, Uh, the bottom five in the country, UTEP, New Mexico State, UMass, UL Monroe, and Bowling Green. So just to illustrate here for listeners, this isn't just power five. This isn't just the best teams in the country. And by the way, you do have Alabama, about a five-point favorite on a neutral over Clemson in your early numbers here so far. But this covers everything. And this is a really phenomenal piece of work. And, you know, I'm not really ready to start diving into my college football power ratings yet. I'm kind of focused more on, the NCAA tournament getting ready for the baseball season. But when I do put together my power ratings over the summertime, I will outright tell everybody, I absolutely use your numbers as a guide. So if you want to get a jump on the college football season, maybe you're not a baseball guy. Uh, maybe you're you know ready to tr- turn the page from basketball quickly after the tournament's over. 
uh, this guide will be a big help for you. And uh, kudos to you for getting it out early here and also for all of the information that's in it. I appreciate that. And uh, keep in mind, it my power ratings are a living organism. That, you know, you see those power ratings in there, it's a good st- starting off point. It'll get the movie in the right direction. And I do it because, you know, Bet Online has been somebody that's releasing season win totals in March last couple of years. So that's why I kind of get it out there. But, uh, you know, th- th- those power ratings can change. Uh, obviously, most teams haven't even done spring yet. You know, you, can, you got the transfer portal that, that can change teams. They're not going to most for most teams. They're not going to change significantly. But, uh, you know, obviously, I much rather take my power ratings, you know, mid-July, August 1st over what I just released. But uh, again, for most teams, it's not going to move that much. And again, it'll get you. It's a good jumping off point. I'll just put it that way. And I, I just don't put it up to put it up. I, I put a hell of a lot of time into it. No, and it's obviously shows. So definitely I encourage people to go check that out over at bradpowersports.com uh, or I think you have it pinned to the top of your profile there yep. uh, at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. We'll have plenty of time to talk FBS college football here over the course of the spring and summer, but we do have the FCS going on here with week six of the FCS spring season. And Brad, one of the things that we talked about last week was sort of wondering what this marketplace looks like with the weekend of the NCAA tournament. Of course, you know, you got the play-in games tonight. The first round starts on Friday. First round action continues on Saturday. So a little bit different of a timeline for this year's tournament. And we sort of wondered what, if any, impact that would have on the FCS marketplace. And I think the biggest impact that it has had is that in the global markets, a lot of places have put up numbers. But in the U.S. markets, there are some books and some reliable ones at that that haven't even bothered putting up FCS for this weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, the first few weeks of, of betting FCS, I mean, at least here in Vegas, uh, Circa was the one that opened up the market, uh, allowed the most uh, handle as far as betting. Uh, they, they allowed you, you know, right off the bat, they opened up and you could bet a thousand on a side, a nickel on a total. Uh, which was double like Westgate was the other one that was uh, allowing bigger action, or at least early on in the week, we're talking, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, last two weeks. I mean, last week circuit didn't even put up FCS. I mean, by putting it up, I, I mean, not just not opening up the market, they didn't put up a line the entire week. Uh, and then this week that that's also the case. So uh, it's an intriguing market from that perspective when you're using, you know, that is your main account to bet FCS football and then they don't do it. Uh, let's just say uh, that head scratcher for at least me, they can do whatever they want. I mean, you can run your business however you want, but I just find that intriguing. So, yeah. And, and I'll say this pinnacle uh, first couple of weeks, you know, one of the sharper offshore books, they were posting numbers they, they didn't post numbers until game day Saturday last week and they don't have numbers up right now so uh it's you can tell the focus the last couple of weeks with conference basketball tournaments last week NCAA tournament this week the focus for most of these books has been and and probably rightly so on college hoops and it also goes to show you from what I'm hearing is the handle isn't there for the these FCS games the only people betting these are sharper players. So it's probably a lost leader for some of these books. Cause if you're only getting sharp money, uh, there's a good chance that they have better information than, than what the individual book has. 
Uh, I, I just, I mean, until the playoffs, I don't think the public's going to get involved. So I expect probably more of this to continue throughout the next few weeks. Yeah. And, you know, I, I sort of started thinking about this in terms of when I was handicapping and, and writing about the KBO last year, when everything was shut down pretty much across North America and, and across Europe, but the Korean baseball organization was playing. And it was one of those things where it was the only thing that was really driving any sort of weekday handle for the sports books. They were getting maybe you, you know, UFC NASCAR was kind of coming around and they did have some weeknight dates as well, but really it was the KBO. And the only people that were really attacking the KBO market were people getting out in front of the numbers, people that were modeling it, stuff like that to the point where they just increased the VIG and just kind of tried to hold on because it was one of the few, you know, revenue and volume drivers for them. This is entirely different where This FCS market, as you mentioned, is a lot of sharp guys who are getting a lot of the best of the number. And I know you've got a pretty eye-popping stat about that we can talk about in a second. But you are not getting any public involvement whatsoever this weekend because of the NCAA tournament. So, like you said, it's it's probably something that, you know, is is by and large in the red for a lot of the operators that are out there. And they they won't bother with it. You know, you've got to do so much with in-game and second halves and all that for the NCAA tournament that, you know, these games become an inconvenience in the FCS. They become a nuisance. And so, you know, I wonder if maybe that dynamic changes when we get to next weekend and we've got, you know, fewer games, fewer teams in the NCAA tournament and all of that. But yeah, it's got to be frustrating for you where obviously, you know, you understand the dynamics of the industry, but also, you know, you get line value in the FCS that, that may not be there in the NCAA tournament. Couldn't have said it better myself. So yeah, frustrating is I'm trying to make money uh, and trying to get in front of some numbers and it's just completely taken away from you. Uh, so yeah, there, there's some frustration there, but, but I, under, you're right. I understand it. And, and look, I, I, we, we, I don't want to go down this road because I mean, it's basically what gambling Twitter is all about. You know, should you limit sharper betters and all that stuff? But I kind of get it in this instance. They're only getting sharp money. They're probably losing money. And why waste time if you're not getting any public involvement whatsoever? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. We see this something similar even next week. And then after that, it'll probably start changing as we're down to, you know, just the final four, uh, and people just need, need more things to bet on. Uh, but you know, talking, you know, what, what has stood out so far, look, we talked about it the past couple of weeks, but it just continues to be the case. And I thought, oh, it'll turn around small sample size uh, to a season. But now we're over 100 games and underdogs are 65 percent against the spread. And it's basically 65 percent every single week, Adam. Unders are 60 percent. So you got lower scoring games that are really competitive uh, for for the underdogs and you know, I have, you know, th- this week in the bets that I made, I made nine side bets. Eight of them were dogs. I mean, that's it. And I'm just betting numbers. So my numbers are now even reflecting that there's value uh, on the underdogs. Well, and as I'm looking through here at some of the totals, I think there's four, <laughs> maybe five that are up in the sixties. You've got a few that are in the upper fifties, but a lot of mid forties, you've got Lehigh and Colgate, uh, which is a game that I think was canceled actually. Yep. But that total was 33 and a half. I mean, you got a 34 for Missouri State, Northern Iowa, 35 for Wagner and Bryant. So you got some very low totals here at the top of the market, few games in the 60s, but 
a lot of games in the 30s and 40s here for this week. So, I mean, is that just a reflection of the style of play? Is that a reflection of, you know, how much the under has cashed and kind of, you know, seeking out over money if you are a book that's out there? And, and DraftKings does have these listed for what it's worth for people in that legal U.S. market where they have access to that. DraftKings does have numbers, and, and that's what I'm citing here. But is it the style of play or is it, you know, just sort of a read and react to what's happened in the market here so far and, and kind of begging for over money? Some of it's style of play. Uh, you're not getting a lot of FCS teams that are throwing the football 40 or 50 times. You're just not. Uh, also inefficiencies. I mean, especially the first two, three weeks. I mean, it was, even if teams were moving the football, I mean, several turnovers. I mean, almost on a consistent basis, every box score, both teams had at least two or three turnovers. So a lot of inefficiency there. Uh, so, so a combination of those two. And, and, you know, I'll use that even though the game was canceled, but I mean, I I looked at the total and Lehigh was getting double digits. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, in a game that you expected to, to, to score in the low 30s and I got a team getting double digits. I mean, that was just an auto bet, even though my power ratings were also calling for it. I mean, we're we're seeing a lot of correlation under lower scoring games therefore favoring especially larger underdogs. I mean, if you're going to see suppressed scoring, it's very tough to get margin, obviously, when there's going to be suppressed scoring to, to begin with. So I think that's why we're seeing some correlation. And we'll see if it changes as far as efficiencies. You know, last week was the first week. I noticed a little bit less turnovers. And then I'll say this. I mean, some teams I'm starting to see a little bit better efficiency just um, from a perspective i mean the missouri valley conference is halfway through their conference schedule adam i mean they've almost every single team has played four games already this spring but other teams like uh you know for example uh, a team like fordham uh you know hasn't you know played a game yet so far uh this season and uh you know their game this week's canceled so they haven't even played yet and other a lot of other teams have only played one game so far so i would look for the inefficiencies to continue for a lot of teams so if you're asking me oh the 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 dogs and the unders can't continue at this rate i would say 90 plus percent of the time in most cases yes i agree with you that's not going to continue but right now uh i i haven't seen anything different and I don't see the books uh, at least adjusting the ratings enough, at least according to what I'm power rating totals and sides that for me, at least not to think that the dogs and unders can't continue to cash here. I want to make sure we got a lot of time to talk NCAA tournament, but before we move away from the FCS here, what are some games on your radar? Either some that you've played, maybe some that you're looking at that are still in range for our listeners that maybe, you know, didn't get, uh, the best of the number that was out there on Tuesday uh, when the global openers were posted. What are some games that are on your radar here this weekend, Brad? So real quick, one that's grab it before it goes to three, William and Mary minus two and a half to show you how much the market moves and how much it's off. I bet them plus three and a half, just a really bad line. I think an overreaction, Elon played James Madison, who's one of the top teams in the FCS, really tough. <laughs> the, the reality is if you look at Elon's full body of work so far this spring with four games, they've only had one solid performance. It was against James Madison. Their other three performances are about as bad as it gets. Elon's been a team that I've downgraded more than any so far this spring season. So I think uh, until it moves to three, William and Mary minus two and a half is good value. The best story I think I can tell about how inefficient this market is, 
and, and how much the, the books just aren't, you know, cro- dotting their I's and crossing their T's is the VMI Sanford game. So last week, Sanford was one of the biggest movers of the week. Uh, it was my biggest bet of the week. I bet Sanford plus the points. It was like plus five, five and a half against Wofford. Sanford closed the favorite. That's how much the line moved. And, you know, I, what I saw this week was the books shaded this Sanford BMI game to Sanford. They just saw a ton of money come in on Sanford the week prior. So they shaded uh, this early line against VMI towards Sanford. The reality was it wasn't a pro Sanford uh, side take last week. It was an anti Wofford take uh, that, that were dealing with significant issues on their defensive line. And, and, you know, beyond that, Sanford barely, you know, won the game and covered. I wasn't, I cashed a ticket with Sanford and I couldn't have been, you know, I wasn't impressed at all. So, you know, that's one where the books, Hey, well, we get, took a lot of money on the Sanford team. We'll, we'll shade this one. Uh, and, and them not d- diving deep to why that was the case last week. I, to me, that's why VMI offered some value. And I'll say this VMI has been a, a bad FCS program. But this year's VMI team might be the best team that they've had in school history. Their quarterback's going to go play at Maryland in the fall. They allowed him. He's so good, they allowed him to play in the spring. He wanted to play with his teammates. I mean, they are absolutely crushing teams so far this season. And VMI is the better team. I know it's a home. It's at Sanford. But to me, that this line should be pick them. And even after a couple-point line move here, I think VMI is offering some value here, plus three. All right, so Bill and Mary and VMI, a couple that you've got here that you've already played for this week. Anything else that that you know you're kind of looking at as we get closer? Because you know, the one thing that you and I talked about before we started recording here is that people are attacking the openers, and then yeah. you see some game day money. But in between, there's just not a whole lot that really goes on. No, there isn't. Great point. Uh, I mean, you see the openers get attacked on a Tuesday morning, and to show you how much they're attacked, because I hate losing so much, and I opened up a better line account. I got tired of one group or one person beating me to a lot of these lines. And I didn't want to be chasing significant line moves. I mean, it was hurting me in the first couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm sitting here before six o'clock in the morning on NCAA tournament week, uh, betting offshore with low limits. And I'm hitting refresh as every line and every game is popping up. And I'm still miss. I mean, I got a majority of my bets, but I didn't get them all. There, there was some, somebody that was actively, uh, you know, betting while I was, and I would consider it sharp because every lot, every game that I really wanted to attack and bet, it was getting bet into. So uh, after that original move, the first 15, 20 minutes of betting early on, like a Tuesday morning, we hardly see any movement other than maybe a game or two for, for several days. And then Saturday uh, out of 30, 30 games, you might see a half a dozen move uh, either side or total. So maybe 20% of a card on Saturday is going to move. Other than that, after the initial line moves, you're basically that number doesn't change throughout the entire week. So that tells me that after some sharp money early on in the process and maybe some sharp money late, I don't know if it's injury, weather or whatnot, or you can bet a little bit higher limits that people get involved on game day. We just don't see hardly any movement. I, I mean, I would say this, Adam, half the games don't move at all. I mean, so when, when can you say that on a college basketball card or a college football card? All right, so let's talk about the college basketball card here. And, and something that, you know, I, I finally started to illustrate on yesterday's show, something that I definitely did not talk about as much as I should have uh, early on in the week, is that 
not only is the NCAA tournament unique for a variety of different reasons, you know it, I know it, we all know it, but these lines are up for several days in advance yeah. of the games. I mean, this feels a lot more like college football than it does college basketball for this first round because everything went up Sunday night as selection Sunday was going on. Maybe some books waited to post until Monday morning, but everything's basically been up for four, five, six days by the time these games actually tip off. And that's something that's really interesting, not only to watch what happens with the line movement, but just simply the fact that you know these games get such a you know exorbitant handle because they're up for so long. So this is such a unique animal in college basketball. I just kind of wanted to get your take on that. It is. And, and talking with bookmakers, I mean, you're talking that the, the difference between, and we'll, we won't compare it to uh, a, a, you know, a, a random mid-major game on a Tuesday night, but let's talk, you know, a big game on a Saturday in college basketball in February or January. Uh, the difference they have told me, between even a big college basketball game on on a Saturday in February compared to what gets bet on on any of the NCAA tournament games, you're talking 10x, 15x on these games. So 10 times to 15 times over a major college game in the regular season. So a whole hell of a lot more money because you got an entire week to bet into it. And because it's the one time where the public really gets heavily involved in college basketball. So you do see some line moves early on and, and I always consider them sharp. Uh, the, the, the people betting on selection Sunday, you know, 20 minutes after the game's announced, that's sharp money, that's professional money. But what you do really see is a lot of chasing Adam, you see that line trickle throughout the course and then game day, it continues to get bet down. I find myself a lot of times because I know it's the one time where the public does like betting underdogs in any sport. It's, it's the one I find myself betting underdogs early in the week, as early as possible. And then I find myself playing a lot of times, not all, but to sometimes playing back the favorite on game day because the lines move so much. Well, and then, you know, the NCAA tournament, a different kind of animal because you get so many of those trendy underdogs that people yep. want to play to the point where, you know, in that 12-5 game, the 12's almost always coming down. You know, if you get an interesting 13-4 game, the 13's going to come down. And, of course, we've seen that here to a degree this week. We've already seen some of the buyback. And, you know, something I do think is interesting here as we look up and down the card for, you know, Friday and Saturday, you know, the first four games have moved a fair amount. Drake's taken a lot of money. Uh, Michigan State's taken a lot of money. But really, for the most part here, there aren't a lot of first round games that have moved significantly. And by significantly, I mean, you know, moves of two plus points. A lot of games are kind of, you know, have seesawed back to where around they open around where, excuse me, they opened here or some games that have maybe moved down that maybe you expect to come back up a little bit. Does seem like at this point in time, the numbers for the first round that the books put up have been pretty good by and large. Yeah, I would say once the consensus opening came up, I mean, there were some opportunities right when the, the games are getting announced at like books like a Circa. They had some lines that were off, in my opinion. You know, I'll, I'll give you a couple that I bet that, that have been off more than three points. So Loyola Chicago, they opened to pick them. I didn't get to it until it was one. Uh, that one's moved significantly. 
Uda already had moved a couple of points. And then because of the Georgia Tech, uh, you know, missing one of their best players, it moved another. And then the other one was Ohio against Virginia. Uh, I, I, we saw Ohio like plus 10 and a half. That's down to like seven now. So there has been a couple, but you're right. After, after the market settled down, I would say Monday afternoon, we, we haven't seen too much line movement. I, I think Colorado took a little bit of money this morning, but the, the last couple of days haven't seen too much, hardly at all. That will change uh, tomorrow. Uh, limits will go up, so you'll get more syndicates getting involved. Uh, and then the public, I mean, they bet on game. 90% of the public bets on game day. So, yeah, the money's coming. Uh, just right now, I don't expect to see too much line movement unless it's a COVID issue or an injury here on, on any of these games until tomorrow. Yeah, and of course, the staggered setup, the staggered, for, <laughs> excuse me, the staggered format, you know, guys are just betting right before the game starts. I mean, they're just kind Great of going point. down the card, just sort of betting right before <laughs> the game starts and all that, because, you know, you get a lot of recreational money here that they don't necessarily, I mean, they want to make money. Everybody wants to make money, but they don't necessarily care so much as just having action on every game because yeah. some people will bet every game in this tournament just because they can, and yeah. you're not going to find value on every game in this <laughs> tournament as we know, but let's start with a look at the West region here. We'll do what we've been doing throughout the week. Taking a look at the West first, then going counterclockwise through the other regions here. And been a little bit of an interesting show so far. My power went out when we, right after we started recording. Uh, apparently, I don't have much lung capacity today for one reason or another. So we'll try to soldier through this the best we can. Uh, but in this West region here, I mean, the, the big story, and we've beaten this angle to death already. And if, if you want to follow up with it, you certainly can. Gonzaga, the number one seed, is the number one seed with the best draw. There's really no question about that as far as this year's tournament is concerned. But what we've kind of been talking about here throughout the week is who winds up, does anybody, first of all, give Gonzaga any kind of game? And second, who winds up getting out of the bottom of this bracket to play the Zags in the Elite Eight? So I couldn't agree with you more. Gonzaga's got the most favorable draw. You know, should, because they're the number one overall seed. A little surprising because, you know, maybe they finally have reached that status of blue blood, sort of say, because it's been 20 years uh, for Gonzaga and multiple times being the number uh, number one seed that they finally have been able to get, uh, you know, they've been given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Iowa on paper looks good, but me personally, I don't like this Iowa team. Uh, I mean, when you're that deficient on one side of the ball, the defense, even though Iowa's been much better defensively, if you look at their trend line the last six, seven games, it's been better. But I, I just, I'm not a huge fan of uh, uh, McCaffrey, their coach. And uh, I, I, I have them losing actually in the second round against Oregon. It's one of my few big offsets that I projected, but I actually have Oregon making a run to the lead eight. I know they've become a trendy team. And maybe people aren't as big on them after they lost to Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament. But I can tell you this, had Oregon won the Pac-12 tournament, everybody would be on this Ducks team. And I think that that maybe benefited a little bit that they lost in the first round of that tournament. There's there's still a little bit under the radar. So I, I if there's one surprise team in the West, for me, it's Oregon. And I kind of like those teams that lose early in their conference tournaments. I kind of like yep. Villanova. And we'll get to the South region here in a minute. But I actually kind of like teams that do that because you look at Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State gets a pretty favorable draw. I think Oral Roberts will score some points in that game. But then the winner of Florida and Virginia Tech doesn't really concern me too much. But you get those teams that play four games in four days, and they're gassed. You know, even though they play five, six days later, they're still tired. I don't mind a team 
that didn't waste energy in the conference tournament. And furthermore, and we talk about this all the time on the college football side with teams that lose to an FCS team early on, everybody just discards that team. And there are weeks, several weeks in a row where we can make money backing that team that had an embarrassing loss in week one or week two, something like that. I think these teams that lose in the first round of the conference tournament or maybe their first game, they get forgotten about. They get disrespected in the marketplace. And there's usually some sort of extenuating circumstance, whether it's, you know, the team that they played and lost to got to play the day before, got a lay of the land, got the nerves out of the equation, whatever else. If it was just, you know, Georgetown over Villanova, for example, I've used this point several times this week. Georgetown was 23 for 23 at the free throw line in a one point win over Villanova. That doesn't tell me, it doesn't say that Villanova is a bad team. It says Georgetown had to do something remarkable to win that game and win that game by a point. So to me, I kind of like coming back on teams that, you know, had some sort of bad outcome in their conference tournaments, because I think they're underappreciated, undervalued, disrespected, and certainly They've got to be pissed off because they didn't expect that conference tournament to go that way. So I I like Oregon against VCU and I do like Oregon against Iowa as well. If they get there and there is a big coaching mismatch in that game, I think between Dana Altman and Fran McCaffrey. No question. I mean, Dana Altman, if you look, uh, you know, in the month of March, or at least I think it was mid February on some people did some statistics, at least the last decade, one of the most profitable uh, teams and schools is Oregon, but you're not paying always a premium on Oregon. Like you are Tom Izzo and Michigan state and some of the other more bigger names. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Oregon, Iowa, if that is indeed the matchup in round two to see what that number is. That'll my expectation is that's going to be one of my biggest bets of round two Oregon over Iowa. And, but I, let me do say this. I don't think Oregon's necessarily cheap in round one, uh, it, it came a little bit higher than I wanted. I wanted to lay three, and obviously it's in that five, five and a half range. So maybe words out a little bit on this Ducks team, but I, I still think they have a high end here. That uh, and they're a team that you know recently. I mean, they got a lot of players that have made some deep runs in the tournament. So that's another thing I like about the Ducks. And of course, like we've talked about with the metric sites, I mean, Oregon really didn't have a full team until what February. Because they had injuries, they had guys that were out, they had, you know, COVID pauses and stuff, and they didn't really have a full team until February. So their body of work, not really indicative, I don't think, of that team as a whole. What about the West? What about the rest of the West region here? Anything else that you want to talk about before we move on? Uh, You know, I did. I know it's a popular dog, uh, but I I do kind of like UC Santa Barbara over Creighton, even though Creighton is one of those teams – that, that, you know, had a disappointing last game against Georgetown getting blown out in that game. But the, the thing to me, when you're laying around seven, seven and a half, and it's an NCAA tournament game, one of the first questions I ask, because, you know, it's win or go home for the dog, especially. And, and when you're dealing with right around a seven point spread, if you follow basketball and especially these tournament games, if you're hovering in that range of point spread with 90 seconds left, it becomes a foul fest as the team tries to, to, to play catch up. So if the game's going as expected, uh, in, as far as the point spread, to me, it comes down a lot of times, can the favorite make free throws? And the reality is Creighton's one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the entire country. Number 321 
64% as a team, that's pathetic, to be honest with you, for an NCAA tournament team, especially a team that, that's a higher seed. Uh, UCSB's got the rebounding edge. I know they're a popular dog, but yeah, UC Santa Barbara for me, I, I think it's a good bet, plus seven, seven and a half. Yeah, I like that one too. And and also too, something I don't like about Creighton, and I've talked about this already on the show, and keep this in mind. I mean, handicapping the venue is important here, I think, in the first round. Oh yeah. That game for Creighton played at Lucas Oil Stadium as a jump shooting team. And it's crazy to me that they're a pretty good jump shooting team and they're horrible at the free throw line. That's, you know, pretty, Makes no sense. pretty surprising. It doesn't really make any sense at all. And you also wonder here, and motivation is more of a thing in the NIT. You know, everyone should go to the NCAA tournament motivated, trying to win games. But this end of the season for Creighton, the blowout loss to Georgetown, some of the other issues they've had. And then, of course, the Greg McDermott thing where, you know, you just you wonder about this team where McDermott, you know, volunteered to resign. The athletic department said no. He allegedly had smoothed it over with the players, but then they still give him a one game suspension. Are these kids just ready to have this season done? Are they just ready to put it in the rearview mirror and kind of see what happens? Because it's been it's been an emotionally trying year for everybody with COVID and the protocols and all the adjustments and all of that, you know, classes on Zoom and whatnot. Is, is this Creighton team just kind of emotionally and physically spent? I think there's a very realistic possibility. And we don't know that until the game starts, but it does feel like that's kind of factoring into the handicap here for some people. It is for me. I mean, I don't see it being a positive. And I know a lot of teams – I've seen – I've read some people that I respect say, oh, you know, them getting blown out is a positive. I look at it the other way. Them blown out might be, hey, them waving the white flag on the season. I mean, a no-show in a Big East championship game. I guess a Georgetown team that I'm not that high on, even though they just made a great run. But uh, I think it could be more of the same. It could be, you know – Team's just done with it. So for that, I mean, I got to take a chance on UCSB. And not only against the spread, but but probably sprinkle a little bit on the money line here. Yeah, we look at UCSB here. Seven is the number down from eight. Total also coming down a little bit to 138, which again, that's not a great thing for Creighton either. Where the total's coming down, I think that would suggest some people believe they will have some issues shooting the ball. UCSB, you know, not exactly a fast tempo team by any means. So lower scoring environment tends to help them. And I think in a lot of ways, unless you've got a really high-flying offensive team like a Florida Gulf Coast, I want a muck-it-up, ugly kind of game when I'm taking one of these long-shot, double-digit dogs. You think about what UMBC was able to do against Virginia, for example. They held Virginia to 54 points. I mean, they had an out-of-body shooting experience from three in that game. But I think that's what you need. I think you need that ugly, low-possession game, kind of sloppy and physical, all that. I think that's where you kind of – tend to get some of those upsets. And as we move over to the South region, maybe that's exactly what Winthrop wants in that 12-5 game against Villanova. But before we get to that game, just overall here, as you look at the draw for a team like Baylor, as you look at the draw for a team like Ohio State, what are your overall impressions of the South region? I, you know, in the one bracket, I do the, you know, quote unquote, sheet of integrity. I mean, I do have Baylor and Ohio State meeting up in the lead eight. So I, I, I like the draw for both. I mean, especially in the first couple of rounds for both. I, you know, I'd be stunned if Ohio State and Baylor at least didn't make the Sweet 16. I, I think both might have some interesting matchups come Sweet 16, especially if Ohio State's playing like in Arkansas. And especially Baylor. I think if there's one team that, that can make a run, I think it could be Purdue. You look at 
offensive and defensive efficiency. There's they're one of six teams in the country to rank in Ken Palm's top 25 offensive and defensive efficiencies. <laughs> you know, the, the teams to rank in both are three number one seeds, a number two seed in Houston, and a number seven seed in UConn that we'll talk about, uh, I'm sure, in a little bit, and Purdue's the, being the, the final team. So I think if you're looking for maybe a surprise team, to me it might be Purdue. And that might be a surprise because I see North Texas, a very slow-tempo team, getting a lot of love in the market for that first-round matchup against the Boilers. Yeah, I actually – I like North Texas there. So I think we yeah, got a little bit of a disagreement. Yeah, I, I think that – you know, and, and that's always an interesting thing too is – Conference USA really wasn't very good. And so people will probably look at that. And if you look at the box score for North Texas's win over Western Kentucky and credit to Western Kentucky, who did beat St. Mary's last night in the NIT, but that was an ugly game. I mean, North Texas was up 17, nothing blew that lead scored. I think 14 points in the second half and then won the game by four in overtime. I think it was 48, 48 at the end of regulation. It was. so you would think that people would look at North Texas, certainly from a public standpoint, look at North Texas and go, oh, this team doesn't look any good. But, you know, so far we have seen a little bit of sharp involvement on North Texas, although that number now sitting seven and a half market wide. But that is one thing. And, and you know, I have heard people talk about that in the past in terms of looking at teams with a profile to make a run. You know, you've got to be balanced on both sides of the ball and good on both sides of the ball and Purdue does fit that mold. So the thing that's tough for Purdue is I don't think North Texas is a gimme game. And I think Villanova does beat Winthrop. I'm Winthrop is not a trendy 12 over five that I like. I don't know about Purdue against Villanova. I know there's no Gillespie, but it's a tough draw for the boilers. I think. Really? Uh, I just, you know, until I see different cause Villanova just hasn't been the same without Gillespie. And we're talking two games so far. I, I, and you know, I love Jay Wright. I think he's one of the best coaches, obviously, in the country. I just got to see that team finally show something before I, I'm comfortable backing them. So I, I know Winthrop's probably, you know, I, I bet Winthrop because I, I knew the money would come in there. But, but that, that's one of the probably most popular dogs this week that I probably have the least confident uh, confidence in. So, yeah, I, I hear you on that. I will say, you know, maybe a hidden advantage for Purdue. This is a, a Lucas Oil game. And Purdue just played in Lucas Oil a couple Ooh, games last week, so that that would that would be, especially we saw a lot of those teams. And I tweeted this out. I mean, the the first go around for those teams in Lucas Oil was abysmal shooting, both you know overall and from three outside of Wisconsin. Everybody was pathetic. So the fact that Purdue's already been there, that that to me is keeping me off of North Texas. I understand why why everyone's on it. I'd probably prefer to take the under in that game. I want to look at this 6-11-3-14 pod here. Texas Tech-Utah State, a game that a lot of people seem to be having issues with in their brackets. Texas Tech, four-point favorite, 131.5 is the total there. And then Colgate and Arkansas, 8.5 the number for this one with Arkansas favored. Total in the 160s. I think it peaked as high as 162.5 before coming back down a little bit here. But I think these are two intriguing games for very, for very, very different reasons. Arkansas and Colgate will be up and down the floor, will be a lot of points. Texas Tech, Utah State, two very, very well-coached teams. Two teams that underachieved, I would say, during the regular season. I wish that they weren't going up against each other because I think they're both play-on teams to a degree. But, man, that little pod in the South region is really, really compelling. Couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't have said it better. 
Uh, I did. I do like Utah State, but it, again, Texas Tech and Utah State were two teams that I isolated that I want to play on. I just think matchup wise, when you got a dog getting a couple possessions, Utah State efficiency wise has a better defense, big edge on the glass with, with their height. Uh, and look, I, I love Chris Beard, but you know Texas Tech just hasn't. And they've had some good performances, but again, they've been really disappointing where, you know, Utah State outside of losing the Mountain West Championship game to a red hot San Diego State team. I mean, defensively, they've been playing really well and a game that I expect to be not a lot, a lot of points prefer to take the dog there on the other side. I know Colgate's getting a lot of love in the market, but some, you know, if there's going to be a ton of possessions and teams are running up and down the floor and are similar style. I mean, why wouldn't you want to back, you know, the more talented team, the, the more opportunities they get to exert their superiority. So to me, Colgate's the, the one, another popular public dog that I'm not as anxious to bet on. I mean, when you got a total in the 160s compared to, you know, a North Texas or, or you know, Purdue game that's in the 120s, big difference uh, in my opinion there. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. I see some money starting to come in on the under a little bit. Uh, I want to play over, but I don't want to play over 160 and a half. If it, it gets below 160, lean over there for me. The, my preference out of the, those two games, though, would be Utah State plus four. Yeah, I, I like Arkansas in this one. I, I really do. There you go. And, and, and that's the thing, exactly what you said. You know, the better team is the better team on every single possession, at least on paper, right? So yeah. when you're going to have a game played to a lot of possessions, then – to me, I want the team that's better. And the team that's better in this case here is Arkansas without question. And, and this is an Arkansas team that, look, I mean, they haven't made the NCAA tournament in a few years. They were, were there in 2018 as a seven seed, got blown out by Butler. You know, they've really never gone on that much of a run here dating back to, you know, really 1995 when they made it to the national championship game. So it's always interesting to look at those dynamics too of teams that are in the NCAA tournament for the first time in a long time or teams that are regularly in it, but don't really have success when they get there. And, you know, just sort of the extra little push that that kind of gives, those are, you know, kind of more narrative based angles than anything else. But to me, I look at Arkansas and this is the best team that that program's had in a very long time. They're not overlooking Colgate. It's just, it's not going to happen to me to where I don't think they're vulnerable for an upset. And for me, if I bet on Colgate in a game in that kind of environment, I need to believe that the Raiders can win that game, and I don't believe that they can. Yeah, and I'm a big believer in Eric Musselman. I mean, who is at Nevada and has tournament experience, uh, and he's doing a really good job. I do expect them to be highly motivated. And, you know, they were playing, you know, outside of losing to LSU in the SEC tournament, uh, I mean, that was a, a red hot team that had won nine, you know, nine games. So they're nine and one in their last 10 games. So they're, they're playing their best. Another thing I'm kind of intrigued on uh, Colgate only played conference games, Adam, and only played 15 games. So I don't have, and this could go down another rabbit hole. I don't have, you know, any non-conference information on Colgate. Uh, and, and maybe their conference just sucked at the Patriot league. So I, Again, I, I I'm kind of you know a little bit cautious betting those teams that had zero uh, non-conference games and only played 15 games in total. I, I just I think there's a little bit more of a question mark there. And one thing I want to get to quickly: best advice I could give anybody 
if you're really into beating numbers and beating the market, I would say this with limited non-conference action this year, if you see a conference, I'll just use the big 10 as an example, because they got the most teams and they're regarded as the best conference this year. If you start seeing those big 10 teams line up and start underperforming, starting with Michigan state tonight and say a couple of the other teams on Friday start underperforming, I fully expect money to come in against or on, depending on what they're performing relative to expectation. That is something really to keep an eye on with no non-conference or little to none this year. I do think you'll see some people looking to line up to bet on or against certain conferences. No, that's an excellent point. And, and to your point about Colgate here, I mean, they played three teams in the regular season. They played four against Army, four yeah. against Holy Cross, four against Boston University. They played BU again in the Patriot League tournament. Then Bucknell, who is not the Bucknell we remember as a team that you know wins this conference and gives somebody a game in the NCAA tournament. And then they played Loyola, Maryland. They haven't played a team outside of the bottom. They haven't played a team in the top 180 yet. And Arkansas, yeah. of course, a top 25 caliber team. So more fuel to the fire there in terms of fading Colgate. I'm with you on that one. And we'll see how that game plays out. We move down to the Midwest region. And honestly, I've lost track of time with how long this show's going with the power going out, the interruption and all that. So if it winds up being long, I apologize to our listeners here. And I apologize to you as well, Brad. Uh, but the Midwest region here, Illinois, the number one seed with a pretty tough draw, I think. You know, it does seem now like Georgia Tech probably loses to Loyola Chicago. They'll be missing Moses Wright in that first game, at least uh, if they do wind up finding a way to win that one. Tennessee and Oklahoma State certainly provide some challenges if they do wind up making it to the Sweet 16 for Illinois. But, you know, top to bottom, this is a pretty balanced region overall, I think. It is, but I I still like Illinois' draw here. I mean, Oklahoma State maybe. I mean, just from a matchup perspective with Cunningham versus uh, Desumu for Illinois, that would be nice. But I I think Illinois is still superior. And we'll see Oklahoma State's an inexperienced team that, you know, even though they have one of the best players in the country, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost their first round game or second round game. So I like Illinois' draw here to, to get out of it. I mean, Houston would concern me a little bit, but uh, it's balanced in, in the fact that there's a lot of solid teams, but I, I don't see anybody, uh, you know, that's in Illinois' range. So I fully expect that I'll, I will be stunned if the Illini don't come out of the region. Yeah, I like the Illini. I like the Illini to get to the national championship game, too. I mentioned early in the week, I've got Gonzaga over Illinois uh, as far as my national championship. I have Illinois over Gonzaga. All right, there we go. And I just play different uh, because, you know, I probably would favor Gonzaga. Well, I wouldn't probably. I would favor Gonzaga over Illinois, but I just know a majority of the bracket is going to have Gonzaga, and I still have one major question mark on Gonzaga. Haven't played anybody in two months, and Illinois has. I mean, hell, Illinois played without their best player and won by 23 in Michigan when Michigan was red hot and playing as well as anybody in the country. To me, I just, I took Illinois over Gonzaga. I know most are going to have that the opposite. So as far as some, some first round matchups here go, uh, you know, I, I'm really interested to see what happens with this line as we go forward here for Oregon state and Tennessee, because you know, you've got this number at nine. It looks like a big number for Rick Barnes who is not good in the NCAA tournament at all. But Oregon State pulled a Georgetown and played well for a week. And, you know, here's where we find them. So I'm curious to see what happens with that. Also, because of the name value of Cade Cunningham, 
you would think that a lot of public players are going to take Oklahoma State here, seeing that it's only seven, seven and a half. But it is intriguing to me that the market came in early in the week on Liberty to take this number down a little bit. That's another one of those little pods that kind of intrigues me. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to be on both dogs. Uh, I like right now, I prefer Liberty just because they got tournament experience. They made a run a couple years ago. Oklahoma State hasn't made a run since, you know, four years ago. And then they're basically dominated by underclassmen led by Cunningham. Liberty, my preference, Liberty runs a really slow tempo, number 348 in the country. Tough to get margin when you're, (laughs) we've already talked about this, tough to get margin when you're not, you know, many possessions in a game. And then, you know, the one reason I like Oregon State over Tennessee, uh, it's just not, (laughs) you look at Tennessee's inefficiencies on the offensive side. I mean, if you're stack ranking the top 25 teams in the country, I would say Tennessee's offense is the worst out of any of those 25 teams. And then both teams run a slow tempo. Uh, there so i oregon state's the, the play for me so both dogs in that little pod what about the bottom of the region here you got the 6 11 san diego state and syracuse and you know we've talked about this that throughout the week here that a lot of people think syracuse has no business being in this tournament but i mean they're not that big of an underdog in that 6 11 yeah. game to san diego state i think moorhead state could have been dangerous but i think west virginia is kind of a tricky draw for them yeah uh, houston and cleveland state and then clemson and rutgers all the way down at the bottom there Anything about the first round games or about those, uh, you know, six teams, eight teams that you're kind of looking at? So I got San Diego State making the Sweet 16. So uh, maybe that's a little bit of a surprise, but I mean, they're red hot. They got an experienced team, but I could also see them losing to Syracuse. When, when anybody piles on the team that, that gets, I can't believe Syracuse not only made the tournament, but they avoided the first four. And we've seen Syracuse be that team to, to make a run. So, uh, you know, I, I look for San Diego State to beat them, but did I, you know, go in and jump in and bet San Diego State minus three? No, uh, in that particular matchup. I agree with you on the Moorhead State. I wanted to play on them, but man, their turnover percentage is bad. And against a team that presses you, I don't know if that's a good matchup. So I, I kind of avoided that one. And that's one of the rare instances where we've seen a kind of some money come in on the favorite, what, where you would expect as red hot as Moorhead State is, you and getting double digits, you would think the public would be all over Moorhead State, and maybe that it is, but the bigger money is on West Virginia in that one. I kind of avoided that matchup. Lean Rutgers for me, but but nothing big. I worry about the inexperience there. Uh, I'll say this: out of, out of both of those little pods there, I th- that was one uh, region where I didn't have many bets. Yeah, one of my favorite bets here in the first round is Houston over Cleveland State. That oh, was funny. It's a big old number. And I give Dennis Gates a lot of credit and Cleveland state's a very scrappy team. They're also the luckiest team in the country. And I don't know how they score in this game. I I really (laughs) truly don't. Houston's going to get offensive rebounds, get extra possessions. I just have no idea how they're going to score uh, in that game. But to your point about Moorhead state, and this is really important for people that, you know, look, probably don't follow college basketball all that closely until the NCAA tournament. And maybe we've got some listeners just happen to find the show Uh, you know, here for this week, when you've got a team like Moorhead state that is clearly better defensively than it is offensively. Yep. And that's a double digit line. That's going up. Yeah. Read the context clues in the betting markets. You know, when you see a team that has to win with defense as a double digit dog and the line is going up and the total has not moved, that is very suggestive to me of what people think about this matchup between West Virginia and Moorhead state. 
And a big part of the reason why is because West Virginia will get extra possessions in this game because Moorhead State does not take care of the basketball. It's yep. pretty much as simple as that. This is a team that's top 45 in effective field goal percentage defense, top 35 in three-point percentage defense. They are a pretty good defensive team. That's why they're here, why they won the OVC Conference Tournament. But again, look for those context clues. If a good defensive team is in a dog role and influential betters don't want to bet them, that tells you everything you need to know. Couldn't agree with you more. That, that's why, you know, part yeah, – as far as, you know, knowing the teams inside and out, you know, you don't necessarily need to, to do that. But what you need to know more than anything is, you know, understand the market. And like we just pointed out, I mean, most of the dogs have taken at least slight money where it's moved a half point to point in favor of the dogs, at least early on in the process on Sunday and Monday. But to have, you know, a game <laughs> where you, you have a red hot team for starters, a, a team that's sitting here, I think they're 19 and one in their last 20 games uh, and beat Belmont, uh, you know, a team that, that, that gets a little bit of publicity as far as the mid-majors go. And, and you got big hefty point spread. And that's the one that's not moving towards the dog that then to me, if you're really good at reading the market, then when you see something like that, try, you know, dive in and understand why, and I think at least in this instance, it is because of the matchup. When you got, you know, a bottom 10, 15 team as far as turnover percentage on offense and you're playing a pressing style of defense and, and look as good as Moorhead State is on defense, they don't create possessions for themselves either on that side. They're still percentage number 330 in the country. Uh, again, a team that just is going to give possessions towards the favorite because they turn it over. That's not going to create any turnovers for themselves. I mean, to me, that that's why you're seeing West Virginia money. And uh, if you ha- at least understand the market, not knowing anything about any of these two teams, just seeing the line move there should require you to maybe a uh, deeper dive. I don't know. That's just me. That's, you know, as somebody that would, might be new to college basketball handicapping, to me, that'd be kind of the first place I would start looking at. Yeah, no, I agree. Again, I think context clues are very important to take a yep. look at because nobody knows about Moorhead State. You know, yeah. no, no, I mean, it's not like they've been relevant in the discussion in that conference. It's been Belmont. It's been Murray State. Uh, you know, Austin P has had some good teams. Jacksonville State, they've made the tournament recently. They're a very well-coached team. Moorhead State is a new kid on the block here from the OVC. So, you know, all you have to do is look at just a basic handicap of their team profile, see that line going up, and I think it really says a lot about the expectation for that game. Lastly here, the East region, where – I was hoping it would be kind of a hot take, but it really seems like it's not that I think Michigan is very vulnerable, both in their second round game, if they play LSU and very much so in the sweet 16, if they wind up getting Florida state, seems like that's kind of more of the overall sentiment than it is me going out on a limb. Yeah. I'm scared of that too, because, you know, I don't watch any of the bracketology. I don't care. I mean, if I watch it, I just want to know what to fade. I mean, because they, they kind of set the public uh, perspective and opinion. So maybe, you know, I, I do end up catching it a little bit, but as far I fill out a bracket almost immediately. I, I want my initial gut instinct. And I fill it out and, and then I just want to know, I go back to it sometimes uh, to see. And I do, I, I think clearly without a shadow of a doubt, 
I mean, Michigan's got the toughest draw of any of the number one seeds. And it's just not because, you know, they're shorthanded without Isaiah Livers. I mean, I just look at the teams in their bracket. Alabama is playing as well as anybody in the country. You got an SEC tournament championship team. Texas just won the Big 12 tournament, a really tough conference. They just came through there and beat a hot Oklahoma State team. And then I just think matchup-wise, the team that if they play to their capability – that could give, you know, make a real big run. If you're looking for a four seed or lower to make a real big run in this tournament, to me, it's Florida State, uh, a team that that's really tall, uh, really deep, uh, and a team that, that under Leonard Hamilton here, at least in recently, has made some deeper runs, haven't broken through and gotten to the final four, but have been close. Yeah, Florida State is my, you know, team. Uh, to, to make it to the final four. Uh, they're the one surprise team that I ended up picking. The problem is I see a lot of people are picking it. So I'm a little concerned in that regard, but going back to the Michigan thing, I mean, I, they got to, whether it's say Bonaventure or LSU, that's a really tough second round game. And then, uh, you know, the sweet 16, if they match up with Florida state, I mean, I, I think that might be the end of the line for Michigan. And then even if they get to the lead eight, they're playing, you know, a Texas or an Alabama. It's just a really tough uh, road for the Wolverines, and I'm sure you being an Ohio State fan, I'm sure you're really sad to see that be the case. Oh, I'm devastated. I'm <laughs> devastated that that basketball school might be a number one and, and not even make it past the Sweet 16. What about some ATS plays here for the first round? Anything you know down here in this region that you've taken a, an extended look at? So my favorite play in round one, and now I'm a little concerned because their point guard's still in concussion protocol. He took a nasty hit uh, in their last game. But to me, my favorite, like knee-jerk, I love this matchup. I love this team. It's a short spread, was Connecticut. Uh, I laid two and a half. Actually laid two at a really early number, and then bet even more at two and a half. It's up to three now. If R.J. Cole, their starting point guard, if he's out, I still like Connecticut. If he plays, it's my fa- It's by far my favorite play around one. And to me, you know, I kind of briefly mentioned it earlier, but there's, again, there, there's only six teams in the entire country in the top 25 offense and defense as far as Ken Palm's adjusted efficiency rankings. The, 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 this, these are the six teams, Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, three number one seeds, Houston, a really good two seed, and Purdue, you know, a four seed, uh, and then UConn's the, the other team, a number seven seed. So I think they're mispriced in that regard. They're also clearly mispriced because they played eight games this season without their best player, Book Knight, who's a guy that averages 19 points per game and six rebounds per game. They went four and four without him. With them in the lineup, they're 11 and three, and the three losses were to Creighton twice and Villanova. All three of those losses were competitive. And keep in mind, Creighton and Villanova went healthy and everything going going all right. I mean, both of those teams are top 20 calibers. So to me... And then matchup-wise, huge advantage for them on the on the glass. Uh, just add it up for me. I mean, if R.J. Cole plays, it's by far my favorite bet around one yeah, if you're going to lay the three. Well, I'll say this about BYU, though. You know, you're talking about teams that are in the top 25 in adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. BYU over at Bart Torvik, 25th in offense, 28th in defense. Over at Ken Palm, 28th in offense, 26th in defense. I mean, they're right there on the cusp of a lot of those teams that you've made a case for. So, I guess maybe that's sort of my devil's advocate point here to make a case about BYU, who I think has a good chance in that 11 game with the winner of Michigan State UCLA. And then 
I'm not super sold on Texas, even though they did just win that Big 12 tournament. So BYU, I guess, maybe kind of my sleeper to come into the Sweet 16 there. But I do think Alabama, uh, you know, would take care of business there in that Sweet 16 matchup. And I do think Alabama uh, would be my team to make the Final Four out of this East region here. Brad, anything else you want to finish up with here for the NCAA tournament as we've uh, started up our third Zoom to finish recording this edition <laughs> of the show uh, thanks to the power issues here in my neighborhood? No, I think we've covered, you know, pretty much everything. Giving out some bets, giving out some, you know, th- thoughts uh, on the overall thing, some sleepers. I think it's been a good pod. I think so too. And I appreciate you sticking it out with me here and your flexibility with uh, the weather-related issues that we've had with today's edition of ATS Radio. And Brad, as we mentioned at the top, what feels like three and a half hours ago here, uh, you've got the spring guide over at bradpowersports.com. And and that's a really big selling point, not only for the website, but also for the work you do as a whole. Yeah, so that's up there for free uh, as far as just college football. And that's the, the FBS level, season win totals, power ratings, you name it. It will get you covered for 2021. Now, on top of that, I am running a March Madness special uh, where you just get all my picks, all my bets, including my bracket. I usually do quite well with my bracket. We'll see this year. But uh, you get – I will have at least a lean on all 67 NCAA tournament games. You mentioned it earlier, Adam. People want to bet every game. I feel that. My customers want to bet every game. Sometimes I want to at least have pizza money on almost every game. It doesn't mean I'm, I got a big bet on every game, but uh, uh, you'll get all that and more. That's 49 bucks, And you're also covered not only for the NCAA tournament – all the other tournaments, and then you're also covered through the FCS end of the regular season and the national championship game in mid-May for the FCS. So that's 49 bucks. bradpowersports.com. If you don't want to pay for anything, I can promise you the spring football preview guide for free. That is worth it. Well, obviously, it's not worth anything I'm giving away for free, but you'll be pleasantly surprised. I'll just put it that way. I think it's worth a lot. I, one thing I'll ask you real quickly before I let you go, I see that the CBI schedule is out for Monday. Stetson yeah. and Bowling Green, Coastal Carolina, Bryant, Longwood, Pepperdine, and then Bellarmine and Army. Uh, do you want to deep dive on those four games before we sign off? Or are you good for it? <laughs> Not yet. I got to do some reading. <laughs> and and to, to put in perspective, normally I have my biggest bets of the you know of March NIT CBI CIT. This year, I'm not sure that's going to necessarily be the case because the NIT is all basically in a couple locations. You don't have hidden home court advantage. And if you didn't want to play in the NIT, you just simply didn't go to the tournament, unlike past years where you got some teams that want to be there, some that don't. So I probably am not going to have as many NIT, CBI, and CIT picks like I normally do. No, I agree. I think there's a lot more value in those. But this year, like everything else, uh, just dramatically different across the board brad powers professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com at brad powers and the number seven on twitter brad appreciate your time as i said appreciate your flexibility and sticking it out with me here thank you so much for that and we'll talk to you again next week sounds good man thanks for having me on as always there you go there's brad powers again at brad powers and the number seven and check out that spring football guide over at bradpowersports.com again if nothing else you get a look under the hood at his power ratings which is a really valuable tool to have as you start to get ready for this upcoming college football season on Friday, I'll fly solo with the betters box, my MLB betting podcast. I will get that out before the first NCAA tournament games start on Friday. So you can listen to that. If you want, you can save it for later in the weekend, whatever it is you want to do with it. 
but obviously I want to watch basketball too. So I'll get my show done. Uh, get some division previews out there for you. I know I'll do the AL West tomorrow, maybe the NL East as well. Maybe not. I'm still trying to decide if I want to switch leagues with the five and fly on the same show, but that's up to me. That's not really your problem, but in any event, we'll have the betters box for you on Friday to wrap up this week on ATS radio. And I think it's been an outstanding week on the shows here so far. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.